This is the Thorn Podcast, Performance Edition, the show that navigates the complex world of sports science and explores the latest research on diet, nutritional supplements, and the human body. I'm Joel Totoro, Director of Sports Science at Thorn. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Thorn Podcast. Joining me today is the formidable MMA fighter, Anthony Smith, who trains and fights out of Omaha, Nebraska. He's currently ranked as the number six UFC light heavyweight fighter, chasing a world championship, and currently holds a 34-16 and 16 record inside the octagon. Anthony, it's great to have you on. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Uh, just hanging out here in Nebraska, uh, relaxing, and uh, enjoying my time with my family. Yeah, it's been a bit of a wild season with a lot of... Uh, last minute fight changes and whatnot. How have you been handled kind of the not knowing where and when you're going to fight? It's really not that big of a deal to me. You know, I kind of, I kind of came up in the, the early stages of kind of MMA, especially here in the Midwest. So, you know, I used to show up to events and have no idea who I was fighting when I was an amateur. So I roll with the punches pretty well. I think a lot of the guys that kind of started fighting around the time that I did, I guess I'm kind of the last of the, I'm like the, the, the youngest of the older breed of fighters. So I think a lot of us are dealing with it better than some of the younger guys are for sure. Sure. Last of a dying breed. You got to love it. So we kind of wanted to talk a little bit today about kind of on this podcast, we focus a lot on the intersection of science and performance. And uh, I know kind of in the last couple of years as the UFCPI has grown out, you've had an access to all those great experts. So we want to talk a little bit about kind of your journey there and kind of wanted to start, I guess a, a good place to start would be a few years ago, you made the jump from middleweight to light heavyweight. Kind of tell us a little bit about that decision to, to move up and how that's kind of impacted your, your training and whatnot. Yeah. You know, I, so I competed as a middleweight for the majority of my career, you know, the better part of 10 years, but I started fighting when I was 17. So I was a middleweight when I was 17 and now I'm 32. Um, I can't imagine there's too many people that are the same size at 32 as they were at 17. So obviously as I got older, kind of put on my man muscles as my coach likes to call them, filled out my frame, the, the weight cuts were getting harder and harder. You know, it's kind of that old mentality of weight cutting. You want to be the largest man in the division um, to, to get the biggest, you know, advantage of being the larger, the larger fighter. So, but I was getting to the point where I was, I was, I was, I was kind of getting diminishing re returns on that. I was, I was really struggling to make the weight. My body was doing a bunch of really funky stuff and my weight was ballooning every single time in between weight cuts. So, you know, for example, I walk around about between 215 and 225 right now. When I was fighting at 185, I was walking at 230 or 235. So my body was just holding on to, to everything, uh, kind of preparing for that, that feast and famine rotation that I was doing. So I fought Tiago Santos in Brazil and uh, the last couple weight cuts before that had been really, really, really bad. And I just was, I just wasn't getting any positive from, from cutting that much weight. Cause I was showing up to the fight, you know, a shell of who I actually was during training camp. So that was a really, really bad one. And, and, and I was starting to feel like I was unhealthy. Like I wasn't sure that I was going to make it out of all those weight cuts uh, there towards the end. So I went to the PI and uh, talked to them. And it was really the first time I had, I'd really used them for anything. I, I just, I, I, I was having a lot of problems and, and I just needed an expert. So I went to the PI and kind of just relinquished control and said, I don't know what to do here. They put me through all the testing, you know, checked my weight, put me through the DEXA scan, kind of the whole gamut of stuff at the PI. And turned out that as far as explosiveness, power, speed, I was already in the top 5% of light heavyweights 
currently. So I, I was already comparable with those guys and I was already their same size. I'm a little bit on the smaller end of light heavyweights, but I'm, I'm right there with some of those guys. So that was kind of a no brainer for me was just trying to be healthy, you know? And, and so I've been struggling kind of trying to figure my body's been struggling trying to figure itself out because it did so much damage to it for, uh, for so many years, but the performance Institute has been uh, a huge part of uh, my career in the last couple of years. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, prior to the performance Institute and, you know, it's, it is the kind of only place in the world. You have that collection of, of experts around. What are you doing now in terms of, of tracking your nutrition, tracking performance changes that you weren't doing before? What's kind of, if there are a couple of things that the, the staff there has really impressed on you, uh, what would you say has been the, the biggest impact? Well, so once I moved up, we kind of just had to let me be and let my body regulate itself because I was going through that. My body was holding on to fat and it was holding on to everything to prepare for the, the upcoming famine it was about to go through. So we kind of just had to leave it be and just let it regulate itself and let it be normal. And then a weird thing happened. Like I, I started dropping weight drastically without even trying, just eating like a normal person day to day. And before I made it to my first light heavyweight fight, I was already walking around under 205, just naturally. And before I was cutting hard as hell to even get to 205 so that I could crash the rest of the, the, the last 20 pounds of the week of the fight. So it was just a really weird deal. So as far as my nutrition, just trying to trying to have a better balance is, is probably the biggest thing I've taken as far as nutrition goes from the PI. Like I, I live in Nebraska. I'm a Midwest guy. We're, we're big meat eaters. So when I order a steak at a restaurant and they want, they want to know what I want for sides, typically I just wanted more steak. That was kind of, kind of how I did it. But so I was accidentally almost on a carnivore diet. So a lot of red meat. That's just, that's just how my diet was. So it's definitely more balanced now and, and, and really cut down on the proteins and, and had to up the carbs. So I had the energy to train and, and, and uh, when you eat so much red meat, it's just really heavy and it, it takes a long time to digest. So I wasn't eating very much. There was, you know, I would eat one big meal a day and a couple snacks and that was really it. That's not really conducive to a athletic career, uh, apparently. So I was able to, to bring those meals down to smaller meals, better balanced and, and, and eating more often. Uh, and I did a really, a really good job of doing that this last training camp. And we still need to tweak some stuff because I, I, I definitely put on the weight that I wanted to. Um, but, uh, you know, as my coach says, you can't, you can't outwork a bad diet. So I was, I'm healthier. I'm athletically in a better place than I've ever been, but I, you know, I definitely need to clean some stuff up for sure. Yeah. I think what you said there kind of resonates a little bit with our, with our audience. And I kind of want to ask if you can talk a little bit more about, you know, you said you've been you know, fighting since you were 17 and a lot of things have become routine. So for you to make that huge change, I know a lot of us try and make changes in our diet, our training and whatnot, and get pretty frustrated that it doesn't happen right away. You know, so as you said, kind of like, how long was that journey before? Like you said, you hit that, okay, I'm losing weight. I'm feeling great. Was that kind of a challenge to, to trust your, your trainers and whatnot to, to go up and kind of uh, any, any advice to kind of work through that? No, to be honest, I think that, uh, I, I, I do everything the hard way. I had tried doing it my way for a long time. And, it, and it, I was just getting to the point where I was so frustrated where I just kind of threw my hands up and just let it go and just let them do their thing. So it, it wasn't, I wish I could pretend that I just had this undying will to change it. But I, I just got to a point where I just didn't care anymore. And I was just done trying to fix it. And I just let someone smarter than me kind of deal with it. So the decision to move up wasn't even mine. Like I, at that point, I didn't really care. Like it was, I just wanted someone else to make the decision. And that's kind of how my whole career has been. I do better if you don't give me choices. So it's, I just kind of 
I let the P in the PI didn't tell me to move up. They didn't tell me to stay down. They put it in front of me and, and essentially the decision made itself. It was like, this is what you this is what's happening in your body trying to cut to 185. And here's the things that we think can happen if you move up. And it was, it was a, a pros and cons thing. And, and the pros greatly outweighed the cons of moving up. So, and then, you know, I, like I'd never taken supplements my entire career up until I moved to 205. So, you know, Clint did a really good job of, of and, I, and I'm still like no genius when it comes to supplements, like I'm very, very basic, but you know, I didn't understand them. And I, and I, I never tried. I just, uh, I guess I'm kind of old school. Like I just go in there and do what I do and train my, my butt off and, and hope for the best, I guess. You know, so much in, in, in health and wellness and performance, we see sometimes the body, the body makes the decision for you. So it's kind of, uh, it's good to see your, you, you, like you said, it was those, those decisions were made for you, but we, we do talk a lot about, you know, the, the kind of art and training and science that goes into, you know, preparation for the fight, a smart cut and recovery. Um, what are some of the, you know, we've heard a lot about the cutting edge technology at the PI. What are some of the, the new modalities or, or treatment things you've come across that you're like, weren't even aware of going into the, going into the PI the first time? I mean, I was kind of just blown away by the whole process in general, you know, like, kind of the onboarding process and, and they, uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's the, those, those plates that are in the floor that can measure your explosiveness and your strength and stuff. I thought those were really crazy. Um, the VO2 max program is just amazing. Like drawing my blood every 60 seconds while I'm running on a treadmill to, to figure out, uh, what my lactic acid is doing. Like it, the whole thing is just insane to me, but I don't know. I thought that the, if it wasn't for the desk desk scan, there we go. It's a hard word to say. If it wasn't for that, I don't think, I think that's what gave me probably the most confidence to move up because it really, they really did a good job of being able to break down exactly how I was kind of composed like my body. So, you know, they, you put you through the scan, it like slices you into, you know, a billion pieces and then it figures out how much your body weight is bone muscle and fat. Right. So it came down to like, if you stripped all the fat completely off of my body, I still weighed like 197 pounds. At that point, I'm, I'm cutting muscle and I'm, and I'm really dehydrating myself. So that helped a lot. And then like if you were to, to do the, the pinch test to, to test my, my, my fat on my body, I think it was at like 6% body fat. But then running it through the, the scan, it came out to be like, it was a, a much higher number. It was like 13 or 14%. So like those two numbers didn't match up. So it didn't make any sense. So as, as they continue to do more research and, and like more testing, turns out that my organs were storing fat around them to protect them from the dehydration, from the, the famine, from all the damage that I was doing to myself. And that, that right there, I was like, it was, wasn't worth it anymore. You know, like I was, I was doing the actual damage to myself, cutting the weight and, and like when your organs are starting to protect them, like to, to take measures on, on them, on their own to protect them it's, it's just time to change. So I think that was probably the, the biggest eye opener to me. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, and as you mentioned, all these different data points are, are amazing. And it really does help us get from kind of a, this is what's probably true to this is what's true for you right now. So I think that's, that's excellent. And you talked about one of the things, Clint Wattenberg, the performance dietitian you work with at the PI kind of introduced you to some supplementation, kind of what was that process of identifying what to take and when, and, and, and how do you incorporate that when you previously hadn't? Well, starting out, you know, I always seen other athletes taking supplements. They had like 4 billion things and 97 bottles and huge 14 gallon tubs of powder stuff. And I like, I didn't ever understand it, you know, 
And it just always seemed like such a weird thing to me. So Clint, you know, like, I think sometimes forget, I think people sometimes forget that like supplements are called supplements for a reason. Like they're, they're there to supplement something else. So if I'm not doing the diet part of it and I'm not, I'm not doing the other stuff I'm supposed to do, there's really nothing to supplement. So we started with, with the diet and, and that's, that's evolved over time. Like then I was trying to keep, I was trying to stay, you know, keep my weight steady. So we changed it and it really wasn't like he stuck me to a strict diet. It was really like, you need this much of this, this much of this, and this much of that. And that's kind of where that started. And then I, my weight was steady. Like I was keeping it like a steady 210. And then we started adding the creatine and then we added the, the protein and we added the protein because I wasn't like my body wasn't used to eating that many times a day. Like I was used to the one huge meal. So in order to slowly get me used to taking in calories several times a day, then we started with the, just the, just the protein shakes, which turned out, I really love the protein, uh, especially, you know, I use almond milk instead of water. I love it. But, and, and that's kind of where we started. We started with the protein, the creatine, and then some of the other supplements that, you know, to be honest, like a lot of it, like I just trust that Clint knows what he's doing and I just take it because he says to. So, and, and that's kind of the journey. And, and now that diet and supplement, you know, needs to change a little bit because, you know, through this last fight, my plan was to put on more weight because I do feel like I'm a little undersized, but I kind of messed that up. Like I kind of was just eating whatever as much as I possibly could. And so I maybe put on like, you know, two or three pounds of like decent weight and like maybe 10 or 12 of went to my belly, you know? So like still in great shape. I'm in, you know, feel incredible, but you know, like the way I'm kind of broke, you know, the way it broke down and maybe I went a little bit the wrong direction. So we'll get back with Clint and we'll fix it. And, um, and I'm sure that he'll change up my supplement regimen a little bit as well. So I guess what you mentioned, uh, you know, you're kind of a, you're an expert at yourself now, right? You know yourself so well, but any uh, advice you wish you knew kind of when you were first coming up when you were 17, 19 in those gyms. And I mean, I know what I did wrong. So uh, that's, that's a whole podcast in itself, but can you talk a little bit about, um, yeah, just kind of some advice or some kind of like a one or two kind of mantras you would have stuck with as a younger person, if you knew what you knew now? Um, I would have, I would have done a better job of, I would have done a better job of just taking care of myself as I've gotten older and in, in injuries or I'm a little more injury prone than I used to be. Um, I think some of that stuff is, is not taking care of myself earlier on, like the, the rest and recovery, the, the, you know, the, the nutrition part is so crazy. Like as I'm, as my nutrition and my, like my intake is better, like I feel better. And like when I was younger, I didn't really, it, I didn't really take any of that into account. You know, I just, I didn't live the cleanest lifestyle. You know, I, I, I just ate whatever. And I, you know, and you can get away with that when you're younger, but as you get older, you, you, you really can't get away with it as much. And, and that's the other part of the PI that I've really, really taken advantage of is just the recovery process, the injury rehabbing the, you know, before I just put some tape on it and just keep on going. Well, now as an older fighter, now that stuff that I used to tape up and just keep on going is the stuff that bothers me the most. Sure. Yeah. And, and that kind of leads us to, to a question we always get from our, you know, our kind of listeners is, I know like when I came up, you know, when you were younger, it was always just how hard can you go? You know, it's, we think of the Rocky, can you make it to the top of stairs? You know, I had coaches where, you know, if you weren't puking in a, in a, in a garbage can, you weren't working hard. So how is that kind of, how have you seen that change over time and, and in your own training, like knowing to listen to yourself, you know, it's great that we have all these, these biomarkers, which guides the decision, but you know, how much of your training and your intensity every day is dictated and how much is it kind of, you're able to respond based on how you feel that day. Yeah. Again, that's one of those things that I kind of, I kind of relinquished to my coaches. 
you know, you're exactly right. When, when I was younger and, and we weren't maybe as educated uh, in, in kind of sports science, it was just go as hard as you can go every single day. You know, I remember being in those wrestling practices with the big trash cans in the corners. And if you didn't hit it, you weren't working hard enough. So that, that was just kind of the old school mentality. It was like you, you, we sparred almost every single day and we were just straight up fighting in the gym, you know? And I think looking back at that, you know, like were we tougher later on, maybe, you know, maybe it did toughen us up, toughen us up a little bit, but I, as, as we get smarter about sports science and recovery and, and, and really what the human body needs to, to be effective and be in, and be in its best form. I think that, I think that you walk a fine line a little bit because I think the, the rest and recovery part of it, if you get someone who's not as disciplined, I think that people can take advantage of that. And, and some guys do use that as, a, as an excuse to be lazy, but I had a coach one time tell me that it takes confidence to take a day off. And my, and my coaches know me so well now that a lot of times I'll show up, I'll start the warm up, and they can just tell that I'm, I'm just not there, you know, that I, I just need a break and they'll tell me to leave and they'll, you know, like, you got to get out of here. And, and I'm mad about it every time. And I'm, you know, of course I'm fired up, but every single time that's happened and it's not a bunch, you know, it's less than a handful of times in the last five years, maybe, you know, I felt much better the next day and just kind of listen to my body and listen to my coaches. And usually when they say that deep down, I'm probably thinking like, yeah, you're probably right. Like I probably need to sit down or, They'll change the practice where it's going to be a crazy, crazy hard practice. And, you know, they'll make it more of a, a walkthrough and, and just kind of drilling and just making our brain work more so than our body sometimes. All right, great. Uh, we're going to have to take a short break here. And when we get back, we're going to get into some questions for you from our listener. The foundation for every good health routine starts with a multivitamin mineral formula. But what multi-formula is right for your unique body and lifestyle needs? The team at Thorne has made it simple for you to find out. Just head over to thorne.com to take a multivitamin mineral quiz. Simply answer a few questions about your diet and lifestyle, and their medical experts will recommend an ideal multivitamin mineral formula for you. Treat your body to the health it deserves with Thorne's Foundational Health Solutions. Learn more by visiting thorne.com. That's T-H-O-R-N-E dot com. Right, and we're back. Anthony, let's get into some questions from our audience. Our first listener wants to know, how do you take your protein and do you do powders or just from the diet or a combination? I'm, I, I, for whatever reason, I, I cannot stand protein powders with water. Like, I just can't, it doesn't matter how good it tastes. Like, I just can't do it. I, mean, I don't know if it's like the consistency or whatever, but I, I mean, obviously I do a combination of both as far as proteins, but when I do do the powders, it's almost always with almond milk. And honestly, they just like them like that. So it, it's like something I would drink, even if it wasn't good for me, probably just because I like them. Um, you know, especially the thorn, the thorn protein is just, it's just really good. And I like it. Right. We always say uh, compliance is a lot easier when it tastes good. Right. So <laughs> Absolutely. for sure. Okay, our next question is, when I twist my ankle, I'm off for a week or two. You get hurt probably more than I do. Uh, how do you handle injuries and downtime? You know, I guess it depends on the injury for sure. You know, after I fought Alexander Gustafson, I had a really, really hand, uh, bad handbreak. I had a tough time dealing with that one. I had two surgeries to fix it. They ended up having to take bone marrow out of my thigh and my shin to, or, not, or out, of my, out of my femur and my shin to use as uh, like bone graft material in my hand. So 
that was a really, really tough one. So I didn't do a whole lot. You know, I couldn't really train. I couldn't use my hand almost at all. So fortunately, it was in the summertime. So I got a vacation with my family a lot. So that was fun. But as far as like the other bumps and bruises, you, you just learn to work around them over time, you know, and it, it doesn't hurt us any less than than the average person. We just I don't know. I think we just do a good job of working around it. You know, like every training camp, you have something that's banged up. All fighters have like a slew of probably the similar injuries, like the tops of our feet always hurt just from kicking. And, and you always got soft spots in your shins. As far as me, like I'm always got some sort of issue going on with my hands. I've just I've had so many surgeries and arthritis. And so I always got something going on with my hands. You know, like the craziest stuff bothers fighters. Like you'll jam a toe or a pinky or something. And like, because you never have a chance to completely take off and you use those things so much, you'll have like a hurt finger bother you for like 12 weeks. This is the most annoying thing in the world. But uh, I think we just handle it like anybody else. We complain about it. Our wives get sick of listening to us complain. And we pretend to you guys like it doesn't bother us at all. <laughs> Okay, our next question wants to know, so weight cutting seems like a rough part of the sport. How do you make sure you aren't feeling sick during a fight after weighing in? And what do you think kind of the, the lasting effects out, out, coming out of that weight cut are? Yeah, the, the weight cutting part is the worst part, at least for me. As far as making sure that I'm not feeling sick, I think it really comes down to how tough the weight cut is. And it also comes down to how you, how you recover from that as far as what your, your rehydration process looks like. Again, you know, I'll always pump the PI any chance I get. They do a really, really good job. You know, I step off the scale and they're, they have all these drinks. They're numbered on, on, on the lids, like which one I'm supposed to drink first. That's one, two, three, four. So I drink them in order. They mix them, they make them, give you the snacks and the food that you need to help you hold on to that, that water. Something I, I found early on is if you, and, and honestly, I don't even know if it's true, but like I had a coach one time, a long time ago, tell me if you like he always gave me super sweet stuff. So he would always spike my blood sugar right away. And then I would start to rehydrate and it just always made me feel a lot better. And I feel like I retained it a little bit better, but, and the lasting effects, you know, I'm a perfect example. Like you get to a certain point of cutting weight to where you never really get back. It would take me a couple of weeks to completely recover from, from those weight cuts when I was getting there towards the end. And mentally it just, it really affects you. Like weight cuts make cow make men into cowards. It, you wouldn't imagine how many grown UFC fighters I've seen cry in the sauna, myself being one of them. It's, it's one of the most miserable things you'll ever go through. So mentally, I mean, like, how are you supposed to go into a fight feeling like the champion of the world when you were just crying with your team in a sauna because you didn't want to be in there anymore? You know, it's, it's uh, there's a lot of lasting effects, but uh, I think the mental ones are some of the toughest problems you have to deal with. Sure. And would you say now that you've kind of, I know, I know the PI talks about a float weight and kind of being relatively close to your fight weight. And, and you said, obviously, if you can minimize the cut, you minimize how much it impacts you. Would you say that's been able to, to minimize a lot of the, the stuff you faced in your earlier fights? Yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, my weight cuts were affecting the way that I was fighting at, when it started getting really bad because I didn't have the gas to go three hard rounds because I what I had just done to myself the day before. So I was holding back a lot, you know, and, and to be fair, that's why I had a lot of late finishes. Like I didn't have it in me to go hard for the first two rounds. I had to wait, kind of hold off. And then once I knew like, you know, there's five minutes left and I can, I mean, I can go hard for five minutes, but uh, I couldn't go hard like that for 15. So it was really affecting how I competed. Now, you know, I put my foot on the gas and go because I'm not worried about it. For the first time as a light heavyweight, I actually had a, an actual weight cut this last fight. And so I think I'm, I'm almost at the perfect spot where, I have the size, I have the strength, but I do have to cut a little bit, you know, like I think I was 214 the week of the fight and uh, by the, and, and I didn't miss any meals. I didn't hold back any water. 
I ate good, I drank good. And then, you know, the morning of, by the time, you know, I'd kind of slowly changed the way that I was eating and held, you know, then I, I cut out all the sodium and, and, and then the weight just starts falling off. I think I woke up at like, I don't know, 210. So I had like four pounds to cut. And that was the most I've ever cut before a fight as a light heavyweight. All right. And so into, into a couple of fun questions from our readers. So, uh, you know, everyone always all time, all time matchup, best fighters all time at the UFC. If you could, if you could pick two to kind of go against, who would your, who would your ultimate fantasy fight be? To pick the two guys to fight each other? Yeah. Just all time. Oh man. That's a really good question. Uh, I would love, like, I'm a jujitsu guy at heart as much as everyone pegs me as a striker. Like I've never called myself a striker ever. So I would love to see like prime hoist Gracie and like a prime Damian Maya, like in a fight. The problem is, is like, I don't know how great hoist would be like striking wise in his prime, but kind of rudimentary there back then. But like, I would love to see those guys in like a jujitsu fight. I don't, I know that's probably not what everyone wants to hear, but <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah, no, hey, I'm, I'm sure we're only a couple of years from somehow or making like, holograms. Or like Hodger Gracie versus Jacare, like in an MMA fight. That would be wild. So here's one. This is new to me, um, and I've been through the PI, but one of our questions asked about a laser pod at the UFC Performance Institute. Have you used it? What's that all about? Any other high-tech stuff you're really excited about or, or love, to, love to incorporate? Uh, I've seen the laser pod. I've never used it. And, and to be honest with you, I'm not even exactly sure what the laser pod's all about, but I do, I mean, I've seen it, uh, in, in the PI before as far as high tech stuff, nothing, nothing really like cryo. That's about as high tech as I get to be nice. honest with you. Hey, sometimes tried and true is what, is what works. Yeah, right? I'm basic. All right. Well, uh, we want to talk a little bit. I know you've got, uh, you've started a, a radio show. You want to tell us a little bit about, about that, you know, kind of let everybody know where they can follow you on social and, uh, talk about anything else you got going on. Yeah. I, uh, I have a radio show on Sirius XM, uh, Fight Nation, channel 156. Uh, it's Tuesdays from uh, 6 to 8 Eastern. My co-host is RJ Clifford. Every once in a while, I jump on some random Thursdays and, and Wednesdays with Misha Tate or uh, Ryan McKinnell or, you know, there's, we got really, really great hosts on Sirius XM. So that's been a lot of fun, actually. It's, it's makes stuff like this easier. You know, I'm, I'm good at rambling. I can flap my gums as long as I need to. And then, you know, my social media platforms are all my handles are the same it's at lionheart a smith yeah yeah and and you know i manage my own social media so sometimes i do go a little way a little while without posting so i'm trying to get better about that so give me a break guys but yeah man that's it i i, I got the radio show you know i do the espn stuff for the for the ufc i got a couple gigs coming up uh i got one next week and then another one uh, a few weeks after that so yeah i'm just enjoying myself having a little off time after my last fight and, and then fire back up at the beginning of the year all right. Well, excellent. I think that's all we've got today. Thanks, Anthony. And uh, thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks for listening to the Thorn Podcast Performance Edition. Make sure to never miss an episode by subscribing to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can also learn more about the topics we discussed by visiting thorn.com and checking out the latest news, videos, and stories on Thorn's Take 5 Daily blog. For this performance edition of the Thorn Podcast, I'm Joel Totoro, reminding everyone to stay active and stay hydrated.